Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. Episode 30 here on the podcast, and today we welcome in former assistant coach of the Boilermakers, current head coach at Missouri State, Paul Lusk, joins us from Springfield. Uh, Paul, how are you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. I know, uh, first of all, thanks for taking time. I know in the middle of... Uh, of the season here there's never really a good time and and we're we're both kind of running ragged here but uh it it's it's kind of the middle of the season and that's the way things go uh, i was l- doing some research this morning and i can't believe it's been you're in your seventh year already at missouri state yeah it's hard to believe you talk about taking time it is a busy time but um obviously any time i get to talk to you elliot uh, we're good friends i always look forward to that but when when I was offered the opportunity to talk to the legendary Larry Clisby, I mean, my goodness, I had to carve out some space. Uh, good, good to talk to you, Cliz. Yeah, same here, Paul. Great to hear from you. So, so seven years. I mean, it seems, um, and you're, you know, I don't have to bring you up to speed on uh, on how our programs run and, and Coach yeah. Painter, but for the for our fans and our listeners. Um, we're big, uh, we're big storytellers in our program, and we're constantly bringing up. Uh, Purdue stories and and past teams and coaches and things like that and uh, so I feel like those seven years like it's amazing to me it's been that long because we talk about those days around here all the time and uh, obviously your background you came aboard with coach um, from southern Illinois and uh, just talk about your memories of those times when when really trying to build a program at that point well it's great memories um Number one, hooking up with with Coach Painter and and at Southern Illinois, and then and then being able to be a part of that staff during Coach Katie's last year. And I often tell people, uh, Coach Katie was was uh, so great for college basketball. He was so great for Purdue, and uh, so successful. And obviously, that last year was a tough year. But as a young person and as a young coach, what I remember most about that year was his attitude and how he stayed positive and he still wanted to teach guys life lessons and um, he handled it with complete class and obviously I think he's a hall of famer um, he, he put Purdue on the map he just did an outstanding job there uh, and then when you moved into the transition phase of coach Painter taking over uh, everyone just kind of wondered how, how would that work out and um I think we just kind of kept our head down and kept working and and uh, got the right guys in there and and um, you know it took off and, and you guys are where you're at today uh, uh, having great success I know you had a big win over Louisville the other night but I think just in terms of how time flies I think about my kids and and uh, how they've grown up but yet uh, they're huge Purdue fans and uh, those 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 early memories of their life of being in Mackey Arena, being around uh, the program, th- those are outstanding memories. And, and just for me, and uh, in particular my wife, I think uh, Purdue's a great place. It's a, it's a special place, but uh, it's the people uh, that are there. And uh, I've, I feel very fortunate to have been uh, exposed to all of that. You know what's amazing, though, is that a lot of people don't really – put this in perspective but was how young you guys were when when you first started here i think matt was like 33 maybe or some 34 somewhere Mm -hmm. in that range 
and uh, certainly yeah. you, you were in the same ballpark. And I mean, that yeah. was an extremely young college basketball staff at a power five. It school. was. It was. You know, I think uh, when I first came um, with Coach Painter, uh, Conzo was was there. Uh, Todd Foster was there. Conzo and I have been lifelong friends since high school, so uh, we've had a long relationship. But yeah, and and I think what you find out uh, as you've been in college basketball for so long is that there's nothing easy, and it certainly wasn't easy at that time. And um, you you have to have the right people uh, in that office, uh, in that locker room, and it starts with your staff and. And, and with the head coach, and I think we had great people. Uh, we had people that uh, were not concerned with who got the credit as long as the job got done. And I think that's what, um, that's what was instilled in those early years. And were, were mistakes made? Sure, mistakes are made. But, uh, um, and, and mistakes can be made from a recruiting standpoint. Um, but, but I always say this, because it's not exact science, uh, mistakes wouldn't last long. If we did make mistakes, uh, we tried to do the right thing and, and get the right guys in there and, and recruit the right way. And we all know this, guys. Uh, you got to have great players, and you got to have players that care. And, and, uh, and I thought Coach Painter did an outstanding job of getting the right guys in there and, and getting that thing back to where uh, Purdue was supposed to be. Well, those those players include that uh, you know su- superb class with Hummel and Juwan Johnson, Moore and uh, Scott Martin. Those guys come in, um, and, and as you referenced, you know the first year, uh, Coach K's last year was was tough record wise. Matt's first year um, was mm-hmm. uh, was rough to go through, and uh, those those seasons when you struggle like that are so long and the on stabs because. You just you're so competitive. Everybody in that room, that locker room, is competitive. And when you're not seeing the fruits of your labor, it's hard. But but then that following year, um, to really just bounce back. Now we had yeah. that's when you know Carl Landry and David Teague were seniors. That's exactly right. And, and those guys really set the tone, um, and then allowed that class to come in behind them, and then it just kind of took off from there. Well, you know, Carl ended up redshirting. And uh, and then that in, in that year you're talking about, uh, we 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 kind of broke through, and and Carl and and David did outstanding jobs. Uh, Chris Kramer, uh, who was not a highly sought after uh, recruit, was a freshman, and uh, we were able to get into the NCAA tournament, uh, win a game. I think we beat Arizona that year. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. We beat yep. Arizona right. first round down in New Orleans. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep, and, uh, and and then. Gave Florida a heck of a game. We, we, we did. We played them. And, and, and to me, uh, to this day, from what I've seen uh, since I've been in it, that's one of the best college basketball teams that I've ever seen, that Florida team. they won. I think they won it back-to-back years. But right. uh, then we were able to start with those young guys and, and their, uh, that class that you mentioned. But there were still other guys in the program um, that were all in. And, uh, and then from that point on, it was special. And – I often tell people that uh, that third year uh, when those guys were juniors, I believe, um, and, and, and Chris Kramer was a senior, uh, we had won eight or nine in a row. Uh, I thought we were, I think we were number three in the country when we went to Minnesota. I, I thought we had the best team in the country. 
I didn't think maybe we had the best talent. We were awfully talented, but I thought we had the best team. And, uh, and then obviously Robbie got hurt, and we were still able to go to a Sweet 16. But uh, uh, those were some those were some great years, and uh, uh, we were good because we had good players, but we also had really good people uh, still in contact with all of those. Uh, players uh, they they were they were fun to coach they were fun to be around and that makes the job a lot more pleasant well thinking about that one of the great stories that involved coach lusk elliot was uh, i believe we were at one of the michigans either michigan or michigan state and we were having dinner prior to the night well next night we we're going to play and um there's great love among all the coaches for each other. So much love that uh, Paul decided to take a bathroom break. And while he was on that bathroom break, the bus left. <laughs> that's that's what they thought of me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, it was that, Michigan that's State. That's how much they thought of me. Yeah, that's right. It was Michigan and State. And we were sitting around there thinking that. And, uh, you know, Elliot, Elliot was in charge of all of, <laughs> all of the travel. So, uh, you know, Elliot and I are dear friends, very close with his wife. Uh, we, we're, we're great friends. And he left me behind. That's how much he thought of me. <laughs> we, we got about halfway down the road. And my phone buzzes, and I look down as Paul. I go, "Why the hell is he calling me? He's sitting two seats back." And I turn around. No, he's not. <laughs> he goes, "Hey, you forgot we, me." That. We 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 had a lot of great times, a lot of great stories. Uh, it's fun, and uh, and through that, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, tough times. Right, I think. But it gets back to what you talked about: whether you have a young staff or an older staff, if you have guys that. Um, are in it for the right reason. And I think we had an outstanding staff, and, and obviously we had a great deal of respect for our boss and Coach Painter. Um, you know, Coach Painter, uh, Matt, he's, he's, he's a dear friend of mine, and uh, um, he allowed us to work. Um, it, it, it would, it, it, if you don't have that, it's you can't preach to your team to have great chemistry. Right. You have to have that from a staff standpoint, and, and I think we did, and I think that still shows because we're still all very close. I think that's a great point. Is the chemistry of um, of your staff is 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 just as important as your team. They have to know that everybody's pulling this, the rope in the same direction, and that there's not a guy that is there to do his own thing and not try to do the same things that the team is trying to accomplish. And one of the things that I was was getting ready to talk about, and it's a perfect segue, is. With that success that we had, and and you guys being young coaches and everything, um, obviously then programs came calling. Um, you know, Conzo goes to Missouri State uh, first and and gets a head coaching job, um, and then you follow. Uh, one of the things that I I don't know how I think our fans know this, but the respect level that Coach Painter has in the college basketball world. Uh, among other coaches, among administrators, among college mm-hmm. presidents, things like that. Uh, first of all, he's a, he's a great coach, knows basketball. Um, but second of yep. all, it's the way he goes about his business and the fact that he does things above board um, in an honest way, runs a, a clean program. Um, those kind of traits made you guys, and the success and the recruiting that you guys did, they, but they made you very attractive candidates to get head coaching jobs. Well, that's right. It, it's who you associate yourself with, and and I think you even start before that. Obviously, where the, all of those guys came from, uh, they came from the Coach Katie 
um, tree. And whether it was Bruce Weber, Matt Painter, uh, all of those guys, they did things the right way. Obviously, uh, Coach Painter, no doubt about it. And, and I think you talk about those things that were talking points years ago with about doing things the right way. Um, and now with everything that's going on in college basketball, that's going to become even that much more of a priority um, because it is important uh, to, to have quality people and people that are not taking shortcuts and and because uh, it, it, it's not easy. And uh, I remember those those first couple of years, we're looking around, looking at each other. <laughs> there were stressful times, and uh, and uh, um, there there were some hard moments. But uh, you stick together. Uh, you don't point fingers, and and uh, you keep coaching guys, and and but, but you do things the right way. And uh, we we did that. It's amazing to me. Speaking of the of the where college basketball's at now, and you guys as coaches and recruiters and and one of the things i do i don't have to do is recruit i talk to kids when they come to campus but i'm not on the phone every night with kids and coaches and things like that like you are and on the road um the the frustrating part of being a college basketball coach one of the frustrating parts is having to deal with that opponent who is not is going outside the lines and uh it makes your job so much harder you you could work a kid in a, in a recruiting situation and do an unbelievable job being a great position and then a, co- a coach that cuts corners and, and does some of the things that, quite frankly, we've been reading about, ends up getting the kid and all your work goes down the drain. I mean, I, I would think as a coach that might be the most frustrating aspect of the job. Well, I, I think the, the thing that you have to do, though, is you have to go through the vetting process and, and yet... Um, what we tried to do was if there were situations that we did not want to be a part of, we, we, we would, we would let that be known and just don't get us all the way to the altar and then let something crazy happen. So I think you can, a lot of times you can cut through a lot of that and then you identify, um, what type of situation from a recruiting standpoint that you're going to be involved with. And, um, and, and I think that, that, that cuts off a lot of wasted time. Uh, but things have changed even since then. I, I think about uh, the social media for all of these young people. Uh, back then, you know, there wasn't the texting. There wasn't, I mean, cell phones were just coming back. But I could remember uh, my wife telling me, I said, hey, like if, if, if my phone rings and uh, I'm not there and it's Robbie Hummel calling back, like, you know, I can't call him back. Yeah. Uh, he can only call me during those whatever the rules were back then, and and you didn't want to take a chance to miss those calls. So, uh, but things have changed. That you, uh, uh, student athletes are a lot more accessible um, with social media. Uh, but yeah, no doubt, uh, all of those things that you read about. But I think what we did a good job of, um, and I think assistants have to do that. You you have to you have to understand what your head coach wants. It's not about what Paul Rusk wanted to sign or Conzo Martin wanted to sign. It's about what what fits at Purdue and, and what Matt Painter wants. And I think that gets back to being humble because we all have egos. And But I think we, the old saying that it's amazing what you can accomplish if you're, if you're not concerned with who gets the credit. And I think that was our mentality. And uh, that's why it worked. 
So rewinding a little bit, um, you're a New Baden, Illinois native, um, grew up there, played uh, uh, high school basketball for your dad. Um, at what point in your um, at what point in your career, playing career, did you think coaching may be in the cards for you? Well, I come from a basketball family. My dad played at St. Louis U. My uncle played at Iowa. They were both high school coaches. Um, so it's really kind of all I knew. Um, education. Uh, they were involved in education. So um, played the game from an early age on. Um, probably thought that's something I would do. I, I really, to tell you the truth, Elliot, I never uh, I started out as a part-time guy on a junior college level, um, I went to a Division two school. I was pretty happy. Um, the the Division one opportunity happened with Coach Painter uh, to go back to Southern Illinois, which was my alma mater, and uh, I took it. But uh, um, probably from an early age on, that's that's what I knew. And uh, I, I, I I've got my son's in the eighth grade now, and he likes to play and. I always tell them do something else besides coach. <laughs> besides, besides put your livelihood in the hands of eighteen to twenty-two year olds, and, and uh, there's a lot of rewarding things about it. I mean, obviously, wins and losses are very important, but there are so many things that can happen. But I think, uh, as I've been in this long enough, it's it's the relationships that you develop uh, with the players, with people like yourself, with people like Cliz, uh, that makes it fun. And, and there's no doubt when you can have success, uh, if that happens, you, 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 have to, you have to understand how fragile that success can be. And, and it's, not, it's not always understood that that's going to continue. And, and, and in college basketball, uh, we're all fighting to be successful. And then if you are successful, you're fighting every single day of your life. If you do get that culture in place, you're fighting every single day of your life to not lose it right and then it and then if you don't have it you're fighting every single day of your life to get it to where you need it to be and it's not um you know people just think that it's totally sustaining it isn't um you know everybody goes through i mean almost everybody with the exception of mike shashevsky and he's had a few back surgeries but you just have this um you know, just this want and need to continue to win and win and win and win, and that's the only thing in your mind. And like we said when we started this program, before you know it, the years pass. And so, yeah, when I talked to Coach Painter when we did our first radio show this year, I said, 13 years? Are you kidding me? I was a young man yeah. when you – I was a young man when I started <laughs> with you. And, uh, you know, I just turned 70, Paul, so – I mean, it's amazing. Jeez. I mean, it's amazing yeah. how, how it flies by. And and I think sometimes, being around you guys, I think sometimes you just can't always appreciate what winning brings you because you can win. We had a terrific win last Friday night against Arizona, but nobody cared. Our fan base didn't care. I mean, some did, but not a whole lot of people cared because it was for eight, it was for seventh place. You know what I mean? And and, and we beat him by twenty five well, points. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you don't ever see and that. that. And you're that close to it, Cliz. Like uh, we beat Colorado State the other night. Great win for us. Right. But it's maybe maybe I enjoyed it for an hour because exactly. then you start thinking about the next game, but. I watched you guys in Atlantis uh, last week as much as I can, and 
you understand how difficult they all are. And and then when you uh, lose uh, you, and, and you've been a part of a staff and a program to where you care, you just – you just you feel you, you you're sick I was sick for you guys and um but yet as a peer I think what people don't understand is is like you said that's right uh well we got seventh place we beat Arizona uh it doesn't matter no your peers your people that you're close to the people that you've worked with uh, you go through those highs and lows and you understand how hard it is and how um, yeah, yeah, you guys lost two games, but has that changed my respect level for you guys? No, uh, uh, you guys are, are still doing the right things. And then you come back and have the big win against Louisville. And I talked to Elliot the other day. Well, that's great. We beat Louisville, but guess what? Now we've got two Big Ten games. And, <laughs> and there's yeah. no doubt uh, Robert Korn, who I worked for years ago, told me, uh, the losses will stick with you much longer than the wins do, and yeah. that's just that's the nature of the beast. Um, that's why you do have to have a balanced out life and understand that uh, there are some things that you can't control, uh, whether it's an ACL or whether uh, it's a guy getting maybe making some poor judgments off the floor. But uh, uh, you're exactly right. It's uh, it, it's a it's a it's a difficult profession. It's one that, uh, and, and, and when you look, you talked about Coach Painter being year 13. Uh, he's just done an outstanding job there. And um, um, it, it's great to see. And the guy before him was there for 25 years. And uh, um, it, it's great to see that. I think we've, I think Coach, if, if Paint's changed in any way, I think he's probably tried to enjoy the day by day. A little bit more than than he used to. Now, you Coach, mean you mean he did he didn't used to do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean these guys were locked. To give our, our listeners an idea, when when these guys came well, on board, they were locked in that office yeah. twenty hours a day. Uh, but, I I remember. But you know what, Elliot? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I remember. I would I would bust Paul a little bit here. We, there was a, a at the end of an intense work session one evening. Uh, Coach Painter's like, all right, well, well, we'll meet here and get some stuff done. And Paul basically said, well, I, I got to get home. I got to cut my grass. And basically, <laughs> like, look, we've been up here for two weeks now, and we haven't seen the light of day, and my grass is two feet tall, and I got to cut it. And, you know, hey, I, I, I can't hire somebody to cut my grass all the time. I'm not at that level yet, so I got to get home and cut the grass. <laughs> I but you know, I think staffs have that the, there can be confrontational times. But yet, I think that's when you grow the most. And there's no doubt that Coach Painter and I, like we, we had enough respect for each other that, yeah, he could, we, we, we it could things could get heated. But there was never a respect issue. But I think that's where you grow, and that's why there's so much trust. But you know, when we got there. Uh, we did. We didn't come up for air for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and and but here's the thing, Elliot. It wasn't a negative. You hear about some of these staffs that uh, are locked in the offices all day, and and maybe uh, their superior is is not so kind to them. That wasn't the case. We just right, worked. Right. We all knew. Uh, we all knew our butts were on the line, and we had to get things done, uh-huh. and so. We worked an, we, an enormous amount of hours um, to try to get ahead, 
and yet through all those times uh it wasn't a negative environment it's just what had to be done and uh um i know that that uh it's hard it's stressful you have to uh it's hard on your family and um uh but yet um it's what needed to be done and um um you talked about coach painter uh changing a little well we all have to change i mean if we're if we're not changing, uh, then that's probably not a good thing. Um, but uh, uh, great memories for me. Uh, and I think probably what forms the best relationships is when you've been in the trenches with guys and, yeah. and, and your backs are really against the wall. It's it, The success, I mean, we can all, uh, that's all great. But like when, when you are in the trenches and uh there's not a whole lot of friends there's a whole lot of critics and that line uh wraps all the way down to southern indiana the people that are against you uh, but yet um when you, when you've got that staff that that's close that just keeps supporting each other and and keeps grinding things out now that's what I'll that's probably what I'll cherish the most and then to see it uh get to where it it, it, it got and uh, when it really got good that those were special times well you know there, there's one story I always talk about uh, involving your staff back in those days and it was our trip to Las Vegas uh, you remember when we uh, where were we staying there on the we were in the uh, uh, we were at the uh, uh, Rio maybe yeah we were, we were at Rio where the food was great and nothing else. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, I mean, the food was out of sight. They were feeding us like, they were feeding that basketball team like, uh, I don't know. We, like were, eat, we were eating a lot better than we were playing. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I, I remember, and then we, we lost to Wofford, remember, here at home. And then we made the trip yeah, out there to that, uh, tournament and then played Iowa State and lost that game. And so, I come into breakfast the next morning in City. Rick Ray is sitting there in the corner, and he's by himself. The rest of you guys are gone, and he looks really almost dead. And uh, <laughs> so I go over, and, you know, the way I am, Paul, trying to uplift my staff. So I go over there and say, hey, Rick, what, what's going on, man? You don't look. You don't look too good. He, he looks at me, man. He turns on me like a snake, man. He looks at me and he goes, you don't understand. This is our job. This is what we do. This is this is our life. And we keep playing like this. We're not going to have a job. And, yeah. I said, and I said, well, yeah, I, I understand. But we're going to be okay. We're going to be, oh, we're not, not today. We're not, Until uh, you climb that hill, oh. you just don't know if you can get to the top. And then once you do, you know, I'm, I, I told somebody this the other day. I said, building a building a program and a winning team is hard, but then the maintain is equally as yeah. hard, if not harder, because now there can be no dip. Right. And while right. you're building, people will say, oh, you're going to backslide a little bit here and there. But when you try to maintain, there's no um, very little allowance for any kind of backsliding. Well, think about it. Think about Nick Saban. You know, let's just go to football. Let's go to the counterpart. Nick Saban loses to Clemson last year, national championship game, on a heartbreaker. All right? This guy wins every game, but he lost that one. And then lost to Auburn. Again, like twice in four years. I mean, and you can't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're just thinking to yourself. My goodness! I mean, and you know, well, it, and you it, know what the it, fan base is saying. 
Yeah. You know it, what I mean? It's hard. And, <laughs> um, and then, but, you, it, but, you know, I think you, you talk about that time there in Vegas, and I think it, it goes back to the, the work we put in. There was a high, high level of a sense of urgency for all of us. Yeah. yeah. All of us, because we just, we understood uh, what had to be done. And that's the nature of the beast. It's part of it. It's the profession that we've chosen. Um, but yet it is, uh, it, it is, it's daily. And you just said it, Elliot, it doesn't matter if you, then when you get to the top, if you do have slippage, then you're fighting to get everything back. And, and it does get down to culture. It gets down to having the right, uh, the right pieces. And, um, and, and then you also have to have good administrations behind you, right. um, to understand that, uh, it does take time and, uh, uh, it's all part of it. There's a postscript to that story with Rick, too, when I was out there uh, for that tournament. It's ironic. It was Missouri State who we beat in a yeah. very, very close game yeah. that uh, that um, you Bobby thought, Riddell was a big part right, of. Right, and you would have thought we won the Final Four in the yeah, locker exactly. afterwards. Yeah, exactly. But the one thing that I remembered about that uh, whole tournament was a, a guy from Wofford, and I don't know his position, but he was – you know, he was either a coach or an SID or something. And, you know, we were all kind of walking around after the Iowa State game looking like, you know, ashen-faced and, geez, what's going to happen? And this guy came up to me and said, let me tell you something. He said, don't worry about that team. That's going to be one heck of a basketball team. It's just going to be a matter of time. Boy, was he ever right, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he was right and hit it right Well, on. yeah. But yeah, you don't think remember that, that I was <laughs> – you never think that at the time, though. No, that Iowa State team actually had two pros, Craig Brack, Brackens and Wesley Johnson. Right. And then fast forward, we, we, we survived barely uh, in that last game, and then we get to break. And we knew and it's this time of the year, and then this is I, – I talked about it the other night. Those freshmen that we had, Etwan Moore was was going through some some real struggles. But it's your first year of college basketball. It's the first year of traveling. It's your first year of academics. It's your first year of uh, strength training. It's all of those different things that factor in being away from home. But uh, we kind of limped into that break and and got revitalized. And, and I think we came back and maybe went fifteen and three in league play. We did, yeah. And on any and on any other given year. Uh, that that wins uh, the league, but it didn't. Um, and then we uh, well, believe that because, year, That's Elliot. because that guy flopped in the bank shot. Brian Butch banked in a shot in Bloomington, yeah. and, and, and we beat Wisconsin them twice, and they were sixteen finishes and two. sixteen and two. Yeah. Both losses coming to Purdue, and nobody else in the league could beat him. And we finished the fifteen and three, and finished second. Right. Yeah, so, and we lost to uh, Xavier in the. Uh, in the second round of, yeah. the, of the uh, tournament, but it—you knew that group was special. I, I remember uh, flying back from DC and and all of them, but but in particular Robbie Hummel, he, he couldn't hold his head up. He was so sick uh, that we lost. Another great story that I always tell our guys is the last year I was there that we lost to VCU um, in Chicago. We got back on that Sunday night. It must have been two thirty in the morning, and obviously, uh, Juwan and Ichwan were seniors. Uh, their careers were over. Juwan was—he might have been the Big Ten Player of the Year, Correct, yeah. for probably 
a first team All American. And I, I got up to work on that Monday morning like at seven thirty. And I always tell this story to people. Uh and their careers had just ended. We got back late that night. Jawan had a backpack on walking to class at seven forty five in the morning. Now, you, you sit there and say, Lusk, you're lying. You're just fabricating it. No, that's the truth. And and that's, I always tell our guys, like, that guy was an All-American. That guy, uh, he, he made himself a player. He was gifted, but he worked. And, uh, and it was still very hard for him to stick in the league. But yet those guys, that very rarely uh, can you have a bunch of baggage. Um, there's not many of those guys in the league. You have to do everything right. And when you talk about a group of guys that did everything right, in particular that class, uh, they were special that way. Yeah, you're, you have no doubt about that. I, I wanted to uh, hit rewind one more time uh, back to your uh, playing career. When, you, when you're leaving uh, high school and the decisions, you know, it's mm-hmm. decision time and you're getting recruited, talk us through that process. Who recruited you and everything? You end up at Iowa. Yeah to start your college career yeah. to play for the great Tom Davis. Uh, but talk about that. Mm-hmm. Who, who, you know, who did it come down to? Well, I was recruited by a lot of people. And uh, Mizzou and uh, Kevin Stallings was at Kansas. Uh, uh, Ron Felling was recruiting me at Indiana. Now, uh, I was smart enough to know that Damon Bailey had already recruit, uh, committed there. And mm-hmm. uh, we were kind of the same position. Um, St. Louis U, Southern Illinois. I was a, I was a small town guy. I didn't know a whole lot. Uh, you know, first time Conzo and I ever met, we were we were both invited to Nike All American Camp uh, in New Jersey. And I'm going to give you a quick story about that that'll make everyone laugh. But it was the first time we were on a flight, and uh, we flew out to Princeton, New Jersey. I think back then they invited a hundred guys to Nike, and I got in. And uh, the first night of playing, um, I was out there and. I didn't. I didn't know any of these guys. I just. I just know there were some real dudes out there. <laughs> and uh, I got. I got back to uh, our little dorm on Princeton's campus, and I was telling Zoe. I said, "Hey, man, like, there was some dude out there tonight. He was like six six, and they kept calling him Penny. And uh, uh, I said they just kept calling him Penny. And I said, man, he really busted me up." good and uh uh zoe said oh yeah 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 paul that's uh you know how he talks that's penny hardaway he goes i'm gonna get that dude i'm gonna get penny hardaway i said hey zoe like i've seen your game buddy you're a good player but you're not but you're not penny hardaway slow down and stay in your lane but ended up uh ended up committing to iowa my uncle had played there in the 70s and um it was a at, at the time it was a great choice uh, for me, um, uh, came in and, 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 and things can really change, uh, was starting as a freshman and, uh, had a terrible injury, uh, broke both the bones in my lower leg, third game of my freshman season and, and, uh, and then ended up transferring and, and my transfer, uh, ended up being a real positive. I think so many times, uh, transfers can be a negative in today's world there's so many because kids don't give it a chance um my situation i got hurt i wasn't happy i wasn't healthy uh ended up transferring back to southern illinois we went to three ncaa tournaments but a lot of great relationships uh in iowa met my wife there 
of course, Chris Street was my roommate and teammate. Um, but the recruiting process, uh, it was good. Uh, didn't know didn't know a whole lot about anything. There was really no social media. Um, really wasn't a whole lot of AAU ball. You just you, you you worked on your game. You played with your high school team. Uh, that's what you did. You went to some camps in the summer. Um, it's it just changed drastically. Back when I played, when Coach Painter played, when Zoe played, uh, you, you generally didn't make a decision until your senior year. You right. took your five official visits. Well, everything is so accelerated now, and and guys, and, and I think that's a positive that 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 families and players get out and do a lot of unofficial visits and do their research earlier. Um, but yet, uh, I think one thing that we were all always very good at in terms of the recruiting process at Purdue, uh, working for Coach Painter, was was letting these people know. That hey, and I and I tell people today when we recruit them, if if we're fortunate enough to get your son, probably after about a month of being here, month maybe two weeks, he may be calling home and saying this isn't the right place. Yeah. It's going to happen, right? Right. And 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 because no one is perfect, uh, but yet I really but Ryan Smith's a great example, man. It was really hard on Ryan Smith his first couple of years. I remember him coming to me and and saying, Coach, like, message boards are blasting me, saying I'm going to transfer. And, and we believed in Ryan. We knew it was going to take time. And he stuck with it, man. He stuck with it and uh, ended up becoming a starter as a junior and had a hell of a career there. And I think you don't see that very often anymore. Right. Uh, the, first, the first sign of trouble or the first sign of some accountability or not getting what you want, uh, a lot of times it's transfer city, but uh, the guys that usually stick it out and persevere, uh, it's usually a really good story. Well, the thing about that though, Paul, is there's so many uh, other people involved that are always in their ears too. I mean, it's not only the, the the staff that you're playing for, the school that you're playing for. There's other people around them, and it could be parents, but it could be other people known uh, by the parents that continue to say, "Now, hey, look, you know." You go here, you're going to have an opportunity to do this. It's more important for this. It's more important, you know. And that's what gets in the way a lot of times. Is It's not really the kid sometimes. It's just the fact that people no. are telling them they're either better than they may be at the time or, you know, it's okay to leave because... Or their coach doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, Well, no, it's, exactly. it's, it's the influences. I describe it like this, guys. My, my dad... What, Played. He played Division One. He was never on the Division One level as a coach, but he was a high school coach. But back when I was in, he'd come down to games at Southern Illinois, and you know maybe after the game he would have a couple thoughts. Well, maybe you guys should be doing this or doing that. Well, I'd see him for twenty minutes after the game, and then if I was lucky, I'd talk to him once or twice a week. We didn't have cell phones, so. Uh, not, now, now, when a player walks out of your locker room, that beautiful new facility that I was never a part of at Mackey, <laughs> when a guy leaves, when a when a young person leaves the grasp of the coaching staff and those surroundings, from the moment he walks out of that facility, the influences start because there's a cell phone and it. Yeah. It could be his high school coach. It could be his AAU coach. It could be his aunt. It could be his uncle. 
Uh, it could right. be his sister, his brother. Hey, well, what's going on? Maybe you should be playing. I just, man, I just watched y'all on TV. They let that one guy play. Well, you, you should be playing in front of him. Man, I can't believe, I can't believe uh, this guy's doing that. Or I can't believe Coach is doing this. It's nonstop. They're they're flooded with it, and I think they're that 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 reason alone is why there's 800 transfers because yeah. it they are constantly or or guys or they're they're hearing it from another staff that maybe recruited sure. them or, or another in between person so that's what you're constantly guarding on um and we we've dealt with some of it we've lost some guys that uh and you see it on this level a lot that that are good players and maybe weren't uh, big time recruits, and then all of a sudden they become good players. Woo! And now the influences start. So, uh, and then they transfer. So uh, it's definitely a problem. Let me ask you this: When you uh, you obviously play at Southern Illinois uh, three seasons, you play uh, you coach uh, for one season as an assistant coach at Southern. Was it weird? When you get the job at Missouri State, was it weird going in to Carbondale for the first time as uh, a part of the visiting team? It really was, and I think what probably it was weird. It, it, it's it's not as uh, it, it's not as weird now, I guess, if that's the word you would use. But during that time, Elliot Chris Lowry was there. Oh and, yeah. Uh, uh, playing that—that's what made that very difficult because he's a—he's a dear friend, and uh, uh, that made that difficult. But yeah, it's—it's—you it, uh, know—it's your alma mater, and then you've got one of your best friends that you've worked with that you've uh, known for a lot of years. So uh, yeah, that was different. The Valley, Missouri Valley, uh, always had great basketball. It's been. Um it's it's been considered one of the the better leagues in the country for a long time you guys uh, just underwent a little bit of transition wichita state leaves the league uh, which i know probably there was a that that sound you heard midsummer was from a lot of the, the the coaches and fan bases in the valley saying geez get them out of here um they, they had that thing rolling and but but despite the fact that you know creighton had left a few years ago wichita state leaves that league is a unbelievable league. In fact, we're going to see them here in a, in a, a couple of weeks yeah. when Valpo comes here, and Valpo's off to an eight and zero start. Um, Northern Iowa, we saw down in the, at the Battle for Atlantis, and and they advanced to the championship game. So, great basketball in your league, and you've got uh, uh, might be the the best team you've had in your tenure there this year. Yeah, it's our best team, and and. Yet there's not. There was so much separation when Wichita was here. I mean, they just were that dominant, and I think they're showing that on the uh, right now. They're just. I mean, they're they're good enough to win it all. They've they've done an outstanding job. But our league's still really good. The Valley's been around for a long time. Um, in particular, uh, the our, our league start right now has just been unbelievable. Uh, we're off to a great start. We're high on all the so-called national rankings i think the thing that's hardest on this level elliot is uh, uh you want everybody wants to have good winning percentages going into league play but it's very difficult uh because it's so hard for scheduling right. uh, to get home games and uh like this weekend we're going to south dakota state and then we're going to north dakota state you say well boy those aren't those aren't big time names or real sexy names well uh, any game on the road's hard, and 
and uh, uh, South Dakota State just beat Iowa last week. They beat Ole Miss at Ole Miss, and um, but those are games that we have to take. So uh, we're fortunate that we do have six home games this year for the non-conference season. Um, but yet our league has got a better winning percentage right now, and hopefully that will help uh, help us moving forward. So one thing that we uh are getting ready to experience this year for the first time as a big as, in terms of the Big Ten Conference is our conference tournament is a week early. The Valley's tournament's always been a week early. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you were if you uh, are going to – and Coach Painter's uh, gone through that being the head coach at Southern Illinois, but if you were uh, – if you got a phone call from a Big Ten coach who said, uh, you know what, this is my first time going through this, what advice do you have for me? What would you tell that coach? I mean, I don't, I mean, it's still like you just don't have the the amount of rest uh, that you would have uh, in seasons past, but I don't, I don't know that anything changes. Uh, You you hope you're playing your best basketball at the end of the year. Um, It's not like you're going to be able to uh, rest guys because you're trying to win games. So uh, it'll start a little bit earlier. I think you go about your business the same way you'd go about it any other year. You prepare the same way. We'll get done. Our our league uh, gets done uh, on that Saturday, and then and then our conference tournament will start on that Thursday. If you're in the uh, playing round, and um, it's a new season, everyone should be excited. I think you guys are at Madison Square Garden, right? Right. Correct which will be interesting. But uh, I don't know that much changes, Elliot. It's just a little bit earlier. I think what does happen, and we haven't had it happen yet, but what's good is if you can have some success and you know you're an NCAA tournament team, uh, you get to sit around and then you get some rest while everyone's playing right. uh, that week after. I think that, 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 that's where you can really get some good rest. Well, and you were here when we won the Big Ten tournament. You go through those conference tournaments and, and play three games in three days. That's that's pretty taxing on the guys. I mean, they get they get home from those trips and and they're pretty pretty worn out. So the the extra rest would uh, will definitely come in handy. So um, yep. I want to get to yep. our our last segment here on the podcast, Paul. We call this the Final Four. It's it's four kind of off uh, topic questions that we ask everybody. And uh, yep. kind of a way we have a little fun with it. So, and we don't uh, we don't send these out for our audience to know that we do not send these out uh, preceding the guests being on. So yeah, they we don't, don't have a chance to prepare. We don't prep the guests on. Yeah, these. exactly. Okay. First question of the final four is: What is your go-to music of choice? Well, you know, you and I are <laughs> music buffs. I, I like a lot of different things. Um, uh, I love the Grateful Dead. I love the Allman Brothers. Greg Allman passed last summer. I've always liked Tom Petty, uh, but you, you you got me hooked on him more. So it was sad to see him go. Uh, when I was in college, the the alternative movement kind of came about, and and I was a huge Pearl Jam fan. But uh, um, th- those are pretty much my go to go to. Uh, uh, but I listen to anything. I'm pretty open minded. Uh, I'll listen to a lot of different things. I often have uh, have stuff going here in the office, and and the the Grateful Dead's been been playing a lot, and uh, I, oh, every t- every time I turn it on, I I every time your song Sugary comes on, I I, I, I Paul think, uh, I think about you. Elliot took uh, took me to um, uh, took me to um, Wrigley Field to see Tom Petty here in. Uh, 
just a, it was in Man, I August. Did, I, guess I did. I didn't know that you uh, were a part of that, but yeah, Elliot and I have seen, I mean, Elliot has seen him a ton, and, and we met Elliot and Coach Painter out in Denver, uh, Colorado to see him. Yeah, and, well, yeah, just that, after that, he, he had to go again. Monica didn't want any part of it, so so I went with him and his and his dad, Rick, and, uh, and uh, I have a girlfriend now who uh, I said, and I was going the next day, fly down to Florida to see her, and uh, I was worried about getting home at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. She just said to me, you'd be a fool not to go. I went and had a wonderful time. And we sat what? in? Uh, we, we, sat, sat, we sat right where Steve Bartman messed the, yeah, had the famous, infamous oh, catch. Wow. catch. Yeah, that's exactly where uh, we were. And it rained the whole concert. Uh, it rained, and rained hard at times, but it, it was a really fun trip. And then that's awesome. Having That's seen great. him pass, you know, that for me, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, that but that, so the cool validates to that you, yeah, yeah, you were able to go. That's that's I've told people this. If you're ever on the fence about uh, about something like that, an experience, whether it's a concert, a show, a, a trip, something like that, go. Do it. You you never yeah, regret exactly, going. Exactly. You always regret not going. Yeah, exactly. That's right. You're right. That's right. All right. Second question here on the final four is, uh, what is the best book you've re- you've read, or maybe your favorite book? Man, or, or a recent book that you've um, read. We we always bring up. I recent- I, I I read like uh, books that I read that that really impacted me. But then uh, I read all of Lance Armstrong's books. But then I found out some things about him that came out <laughs> that was a little bit disappointing. Um, I'm just uh, I, I'm just into the book called Grit uh, that that I'm reading uh, and I haven't finished yet. Um, but but I, I would say those are it. What is Grit about? Grit is just about work ethic, uh, why people become successful um, in terms of is it talent? Uh, have you ever read the Talent Code? That's a good book as well. But uh, is it talent? Is it perseverance? Or is it all those other intangibles? Just all of those different things uh, that tend to make uh, people successful. I've always uh, foregone the successful books, and I just pick the phone up and call Larry and get advice. And that, that worked out pretty, pretty, pretty well yeah. for me. Yeah, look at us. The, the other thing that I've done, the other thing that I've done, though, since we travel a lot in the summers, I'll buy the audio books, outliers, or, or different things like yeah. that. And uh, well, people say those are really uh, cool. Yeah, th- th- those are those are those are quality when you're driving. Yeah, you guys certainly do uh, a lot of that. Um, third question on the Final Four, other, what other profession, if you could wave a wand and do tomorrow, what would that be? Um, if I could wave a wand and do it tomorrow, I would probably try to be a professional fisherman. I thought that would be a lot of fun, just go out and fish all the time. Oh, Everyone wouldn't that would be leave great? you alone and, and, and just fish. I, I like to do that. I'm not a not a whole lot of time to do anything uh when i do have i, I don't golf uh when i do have free time um i'm with my family uh, i do i do really enjoy being outdoors uh, and i would probably like to be a professional fisherman well i can vouch for that a couple times each summer i my phone will buzz and i'll look down there'll be a photo of a big fish <laughs> that gets sent from yeah and uh 
Yeah, I could certainly uh, I could certainly relate to that. That I enjoy uh, getting outside and fishing as well. Final question here on the final four: What is um, what is something or one thing that either no one or not many people know about you? Interesting. Uh, the, well, something really interesting uh, that happened in my life uh, when I was younger. I was a sophomore in high school, and you know this because we've spent many nights on your deck. But uh, um, and when you go through something like this, uh, it's always on your mind. But uh, it was two thirty in the morning, and our uh, entire house burned down, and we barely made it out alive. And it was the dead of the winter. Uh, but I, I think that's. Uh, that that's something that a whole lot of people don't know. But I always, when I ever since that happened, uh, and we barely got out. Anytime I go to a hotel uh, or any any of those different uh, situations, I'm always looking uh, to kind of plan for something like wow. that. Because you say, oh, that would never that would never that would never happen to us. I mean, right. that that wouldn't happen. But but when it happens, it it, it gives you a different perspective. That's amazing. Do you does that affect now? Um... You talked about when you travel and stuff, but does that is it enter your daily thought in any other way? No, but I do like I don't like being on like when you go to hotels. If you're on if you're if if, if you're up on a you know on a high rise, you, know, you think about all those things, and in particular when you have kids, uh, what would happen? But just last week, I changed out my fire alarms at home. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's uh, it you sit there and say, oh man you know that's not going to happen but when you've been through something like that and your whole family barely gets out it it uh it makes you think about it and it probably you're a little bit more cautious uh when it comes to those things wow well well that's good that was the final four paul lusk our guest the uh, head coach of missouri state former assistant coach here at purdue i would i would uh, like to take one moment to say that to our listeners and purdue fans in general um, you know, Paul makes it back this way a couple times a year. They play Indiana State. They play Valparaiso. Um, they get down to Evansville. So they're yeah. around uh, around our state quite a bit. If you get a chance, uh, go check them out. I know um, my dad's already circled a couple dates. He's going to come see you guys this yep. year. But uh, get a ch- chance to, to see Paul's team. They've got a good one. It'll be a competitive year in the Valley, and, and they're off to uh, – a good start this year, six and two right now. Is that correct? Yeah, we're six and two, and we've got a big road trip coming up. And and uh, I like my guys. I think we're, we're 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 a couple weeks away from being where we need to be. We've got a very good player who missed the entire preseason, and uh, we're getting him back. But uh, like my guys, and uh, should be a fun year, hopefully. Well, we appreciate you taking time to join us here. I know you're busy, and uh, it's always always great to catch up. All right, guys. Cliz, great, great talking to you, buddy. Same here. Thanks, Paul. All right, that was episode thirty here on the Boiler Ball Podcast with our guest Paul Lusk. We want to thank everybody for listening, as always. And until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well.